Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to you. Well, what a time to uh, just be quiet for a moment. I have the sense that God is really at work amongst us, one by one. For some of you this morning, this is a moment in time that's going to change your life forever. I had such a, a moment myself when I was 18 in London, England. And the very reason I'm here this morning talking about God's teaching from His Word, the Bible, is because of that moment. It was a life-changing, intimate relationship that God gave to me as I responded to His love for me. And that same Jesus is walking around amongst us here this morning. He knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows the house to which you go back to live. He knows what's going on in your life. You see, that passage that was just read to us describes the Lord Jesus, who himself is God. Begins, in the beginning was the Word. But it goes on later in that same passage to say that the Word, that in the beginning personality, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. This is exactly what the Bible says. We beheld His glory as of the only begotten Son of God. That Jesus is here this morning alive and powerfully present. I've been singing, as I've thought about this this week, that uh, carol that says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, born of man, with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. That's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That's Christmas. And I remember as a kid singing that carol, but having a clue what it meant. Now I know. And that day I asked Jesus to come into my life. That same Jesus transformed my life as he can yours. So when it speaks of him, it goes on to say, in him was life. In this Jesus who created everything, made everything, that there is nothing that has been made that he didn't make. He made it all. Can you get that? That Jesus was there before there was anything else. He is the author of life. Life was in him. He is the originator of life, all life, all created life. I was preaching this earlier this morning, right here. And one uh, young lady said, look, I, I went to Kenyon College. It's a pretty sharp place over in Ohio. She said, I went to study biology. And when I opened up the biology book, 
The very opening statement was this, that they didn't understand life. Bio, biology, was a study of life. They said, all we can do is describe it. We don't know how it is. We don't know when something dies, what leaves it, that there isn't life there anymore. Life is a mystery. But when Jesus is described here as the life, the balance of how John's gospel unfolds describes what that life is and how attractive it is. So bear in mind, because there is an opposing view to what I've just described. The opposing view is that there is no God, no creator, that the cosmos was all that there was, all that there will be ever. So says Carl Sagan, a scientist who has since died. An atheistic view of everything. Well, when you put your mind to that, the only conclusion you can draw if there is no God is that we got here by accident. We're freaks of nature. No design, no purpose, no originator, no intelligent design, just mutation after mutation after mutation, and here we turn out as we are. But I remember telling you last week, so those of you who weren't here last week, get this, that the simplest life form, the basic, simplest, cellular life form, one scientist said there is much, as much chance of that happening by accident as there is of a whirlwind going through a junkyard and a 747 coming out the other end. Those are the odds of the simplest basic life form happening by accident. And I've drawn the conclusion it takes a whole lot more faith to believe that we got here by chance than there is that the Creator Himself made us, designed us, and has a plan for our lives. And He's got a plan for you this morning. And he is here, and he is alive. Listen to these words, again, from the Bible. Paul the Apostle writes this, of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were made, were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Another translation of that is that it's because of him they exist, and in him they can consist, hold together. The Greek word for life, zoe, which it's cool to call your kid zoe. Got friends who've done just that. Name their child zoe. is mentioned 134 times in John's gospel and his epistles. John is obsessed 
with this life that came to us in Christ Jesus. He's not only the originator of all life, but especially that identity that we call spiritual life, that we can be born again, made new, spiritually. The baptisms that we have just witnessed are an outward and visible symbol of that. The heart and soul of the Christian faith is about that transaction by which a man or woman, a young person or a child comes into relationship with God through putting their faith, their trust, surrendering themselves to Jesus. That's the deal. And amazingly, Jesus said this, I have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. Now, I was raised irreligiously, and I ran into a chap when I was a teenager who quoted that statement of Jesus. I've come that you might have life, the old translation was, and have it more abundantly. But it is, even as a straight-up-and-down teenager, the idea of a life that was abundant, that is overflowing, not meager, not pathetic, but something that was like at you and through you and expanding around you joyfully, that life in all its fullness was exactly what I was looking for. So are you. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, how can I be miserable today? Nobody says, how can I live as if my life means nothing? Nobody says that. When Jesus comes and says to you this morning, I have come that you may have life and all, life in all its fullness. He is speaking directly to you about what you are longing for, because intuitively and instinctively, the Lord has made us for that. It's not by accident that you long for something more, that there is a sense of emptiness in your life. He has created you for that relationship with Him by which His Spirit comes into you and you are made a new creation. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is those things. I am the way, the way to the Father. I am the truth, I am the truth about the Father. I am the life, I am the life from the Father. Listen to this amazing statement from John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 26. For the Father, as the Father has life in himself, speaking about Almighty God, so he has granted to the Son, and this is Jesus the Son saying this, he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. He's the author of life, he is the giver of life, and he is the way to experience that life because he gives us the opportunity to invite him to come into our lives and make our lives new and abundant. Not only is it full now, but it's then forever. You all know, even those of you who are just moderately church-oriented, that the Bible says, God so loved the world. And by the way, that means loved us one at a time because you can't love impersonally. 
So if he loved the world, he loved us each individually, personally, one at a time. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's who we're talking about, Jesus. That whoever believes in him, that's enter into this committed relationship to him and asks him to come into their lives, because belief is not just an intellectual assent, it is a personal relationship. That whoever believes in him should not perish, that is, go to hell, but have everlasting life, eternal life, that is, go to heaven. There is a free gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus. So it's not only overwhelmingly, excessively abundant, fulfilling, but in the same token, by the same token, it is forever. In fact, the Bible says that when you receive Jesus, you receive that gift of eternal life. You have it now. And when your body dies, that eternal life with the Lord goes on forever. So Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So as you receive Christ into your life, you're made a new creation that's made for heaven, and heaven becomes your home. It's the gift of eternal life. How great to have a life that is of that quality and that quantity forever. And then amazingly, and all this follows out from these opening words in John's Gospel. So Jesus who says that he is the life and that when we come to him, we inherit life, of whom it says in him was life, the very source and origination of life. He is the one who produces in us some effective productivity and worthwhile life. Listen to these words. This is Jesus speaking again from John's Gospel, chapter 15. He says, I am the vine, like the source of life. You are the branches, and it is the one who is joined into me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. That is, be productive. Do you want to achieve great things in some sense, especially in God's sense, to be of significance and purpose? I would guess that not one of you here wants to be inconsequential, insignificant, to come, live, die, be gone, and that's it. To be joined to Christ is to be productive. It goes on to say that it is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, and so show yourself to be my disciples. So as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. God has loving plans for you to do something of consequence through you. So it's not like somebody's cracking the whip over you like a slave driver, but a living personal entered into relationship with Jesus who inspires you. That night I asked Jesus into my life 
And I didn't have a Bible, and I didn't know the Bible taught this, but intuitively, I knew my life was going to be of consequence and significance. And so that can be true for you right here this morning. And then last of all, out of this teaching, that He is the resurrected life. We've already heard nobody's going to keep this body down. What a spectacular way to open up this morning's worship. And Anna was really driving and nailing that as she was singing. Nobody's going to nail this body down. Jesus said, they would kill me, but I will not die forever. Three days after they kill me, I will rise from the dead. And so it was. That tomb is as empty today as it was three days after they killed him. He didn't need to go through any insurance policy to bury him. He was only borrowing that grave for a few nights. He was laid in it, turned loose from it. And he's alive here today. So when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me will never die, one day, Scripture says, of those who believe in him, that they will see him again, and when they see him again, they will be like him, because he gives us that resurrection body. Listen to this particular verse from John chapter 6 and verse 40. It's a stunning statement. He says this, for my Father's will, that's the Lord God, my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, Jesus speaking about himself, and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. Nobody is going to keep this body down. One day Jesus will come and the dead in Christ, those who are believers in him, will rise again and have resurrection bodies just like Jesus. That's all summed up in that simple statement that in him was life. I've asked you, at least I did last week, I'll say it again, to memorize a verse. It's from John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 31. This is what it says. Many other things Jesus did that are not recorded in this Gospel, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that believing, here it is, you may have life in his name. Some of you walked in here dead as can be. And you can walk out of here with the gift of eternal life. Dead in your trespasses and sins, coming in. Born again and made spiritually new, walking out. Hmm. You can hear from my accent, I trust, that I was born and raised in England. That's why I talk the way I talk. But I tell you, there was a day I went into Pittsburgh to the federal courthouse down in the city and disavowed myself of any allegiance to any other sovereignty and pledged allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stood. One nation, under God, indivisible, 
with liberty and justice for all. Here's the deal. I drove into Pittsburgh an Englishman. I drove back out to Sewickley an American. I changed my identity. I disavowed myself of the old stuff and committed myself to a new nation for me to become an American. Same thing can happen to you right here this morning. You came in here on your way to hell. You may not have known it, but outside of knowing Christ and being joined to him, there is no hope, no other way. As he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, the one who is offering this spectacular life, knows the reality of it, and that's the reason he was willing to come, die on the cross to pay the penalty for all the filth and crap in our lives so that we may be forgiven. And then by his spirit, come and indwell us and make us new. That's a phenomenal transaction. And it can be for you this morning. Let me just mention one thing by way of an example. A number of years ago, I was speaking over just outside of Philadelphia in a community called Hatfield. They had mobilized all the churches in that general area, in this suburb of Philadelphia. They put up a big tent in a big field outside a meat packing plant in Hatfield that sat 5,000 people. And for a whole week, that tent was packed out with people I was the preacher, speaker, teacher, the one addressing that audience talking about Jesus. The senior layman of this church, his name was Dick Kennedy, had come over with his wife to Philadelphia and rounded up his son who lived in the neighborhood, a grown man with his wife and kids, to bring them to hear me to speak. And I was speaking about this very issue of a new life. That first night, as he listened, that son, he kind of got the picture, but was not ready to make any kind of a commitment. He came back without his dad and mum, who returned to Pittsburgh, the next night, along with his wife. And as I asked people to respond and give their lives to Christ, and do so actually by getting out of their seats and coming forward. This guy, and I had my eye on him because he sat down near the front of this large crowd, got up and came forward and gave his life to Jesus. And he with his wife like represented, standing there, a whole new beginning and family. What was stunning is that he went back home and called up his mom and dad back here in Pittsburgh. His mother told me, within days of this happening, that when he called and spoke to her, she didn't recognize his voice. She didn't recognize him as her son because of the way everything about him seemed to have been changed in the way he spoke, in the way he talked to her. So dramatic was the change in his life. That's the kind of power that Jesus brings into a human being. It can transform a relationship, a marriage, 
a family. A couple I took to Israel recently were at odds with each other. The wife had already filed for divorce. She was coming to Israel to get away from it all. When her husband found out she had signed up, catch this, that she, had, <laughs> she was coming to Israel with me and a whole group of us, he signed up to come. And that was misery to her. She threatened not to come. I said, hey, you've got to come. He signed up and he came. By the Sea of Galilee, listening to about Jesus teaching from the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers. That man surrendered his life to Jesus, was transformed. It was a miracle. It wasn't long before they're walking around holding hands in Israel in love with each other all over again. He came up and thanked me. He's thanked me year by year since. That was the beginning of a whole new life of marriage. What was the difference? The life of God in that man transforming him. And I'm telling you the truth, absolute truth. I wish he were here to tell you for himself. A new family. So whenever I see them together now, they're joyfully in love, a new beginning, and they're trying to do new things with their family, which was pretty messed up because of all this. This is all real. And that same Jesus is present here to be real to you. He is the originator of life, the very life by which you are breathing, and he is the originator of this new and spiritual life by which you can receive the gift of eternal life. Do you want it? Is that you? Let's talk to the Lord. So just close your eyes for a moment and see Jesus coming to where you are. He loves you as much this day as when he died on the cross for you. And the life he offers is as real and vital today as that day when he walked out of the grave alive, dynamically alive to give this gift to you. But you need to receive it. You've got to ask the Lord to come into your life. It's the deal. He is here loving you. The Bible actually says that he stands at the door of your life and knocks, seeking entrance. And if you open the door of your life and invite him in, the Bible says of him that he will come in and throw a party, kind of a feast in your life. So I'm going to speak to the Lord on your behalf. So as I speak, you can make my words your words. So in your own heart, say to him, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for bringing me to this moment, this day. Thank you for dying for me so that I might be forgiven, made new and clean. Please, Lord, come into my life this very moment. I open myself up to you.
that you, by the power of your own spiritual presence here, might come into my life and fill me with yourself to drive out the darkness, to forgive the filth, to grant me a new beginning, a new life, a new way to go, and a new hope for the future. That's me asking you, Lord Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, this is a whole new beginning for you. I love somebody to turn up the house lights just a little so that I can see, because I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer, to raise your hand look at me and I will say God bless you and then you can lower your hand but if that was you who prayed that prayer God bless you God bless you sir you raise your hand I will respond in that way to you if you prayed that prayer at the back there God bless you God bless you God bless you you ladies down the front here, God bless you both. God bless you. Let me ask you if you did that, following this wonderful conclusion from our band. We're going to stay down the front here. You come by and say hi to me, will you? Thank you, Lord, for this new beginning, one by one by one, of these who have signified praying that prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. If you prayed that prayer with Pastor John, welcome to the family of God. We are so thrilled and we want to be a resource for you on your next steps in your new faith journey. Please contact us here at Christ Church so that we can connect with you and help you as you begin a new chapter of your life with God. The easiest way to reach us is to contact us through our website, ccgf.org, or you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Once again, we are so thrilled and welcome to the family of God.